Have you ever wondered why God allows the devil to keep on doing his evil work? I mean, why didn't he just send him to hell right after the Garden of Eden? Or better yet, why not go ahead and send him right after he rebelled in the first place so he couldn't even make it to the Garden of Eden? And furthermore, why did he make him in the first place? I mean, we know that God didn't create him as the sinister, evil being that he has become. In fact, he was created as a wonderful, high-ranking, angelic being. But God knew that Satan would rebel. So why even create him in the first place? But of course, we could ask the same question about ourselves, could we not? I mean, God knew that Adam and Eve were going to rebel, and yet he created them anyway. While we certainly cannot answer these questions fully, it does show us much, does it not, about the love and the mercy and the grace of our wonderful God. Beloved, God does not want robots to serve him. He does not want robots that automatically and always do what he wants them to do. He created us and obviously created the angelic beings with a choice as to whom we're going to serve. And sad to say, some choose to rebel against his love and his grace. But beloved, God will not allow this rebellion to go on forever. In fact, this morning in our study of Revelation, we have come to one of the mountain peak chapters in the word of God. Revelation chapter 20. I would ask you you to find your place there in your Bible. Revelation chapter 20. And really, we're wrapping up the series in some regards, only two more messages, and we'll be done with the book. But in Revelation chapter 20, we find here that Satan's days are numbered. Uh, Here we'll also see that those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord are going to be tormented forever and ever. And so I want us to jump in today and, and read the entire chapter together. And then we'll come back and talk about three main thoughts that we find in this chapter. So find your spot there, Revelation chapter 20, and I'll begin reading at verse number 1. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, And bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him. So that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. Then after these things he must be released for a little while. Verse 4. And I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ And shall reign with him a thousand years. Verse 7. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. And will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog. To gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. 
They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his words. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, to be honest, we could divide up this chapter and preach several sermons from it. But we're not going to do that this time. We're going to take it as a whole, because I want you to see the big picture of what's going on here in Revelation chapter 20. And there are three main things that we'll talk and center our thoughts around this morning. There's the judgment of Satan. There's the millennial kingdom. And there's the great white throne judgment. Now, please pay attention. Christian, you need to know about these things. You need to understand these things. The judgment of Satan and then the millennial kingdom and the great white throne judgment. Let's talk, first of all, about the judgment of Satan. As we read, there are basically two stages that happen in regards to the judgment that are mentioned here. There's a temporary binding and being placed in the abyss. And then there's an eternal damning, an eternal damnation. Now, go back and look at the first three words of verse one. It says, then I saw. So we want to get our bearing as to where we are. And you've had this chart with you. You've been with us through this study. And remember that we've just finished up here the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the battle of Armageddon. And now here we are getting ready to have the millennial kingdom set up. But first, uh, Satan's going to have to be bound and, and, and put down, if you will, for a thousand years. And so we have uh, the battle of Armageddon has taken place. And Jesus, with his very words, he wipes out all the enemies that remained at the end of the tribulation period. You remember the Antichrist and the false prophet. They were thrown into the lake of fire at the at the end there. And now we pick up the story in chapter 20. And John says, then I saw. So he's already dealt with those at the Battle of Armageddon. He's dealt with the Antichrist. He's dealt with the false prophet. And now he's going to deal with Satan. But it's two stages. And the first part here is to pick up our story. Look back at verse one. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, uh, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast into a bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal on him. So, I mean, it, it's done deal. Why? So that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. At this point, Satan is not thrown into the lake of fire. He's actually chained and bound and placed into the bottomless pit uh, and sealed in this bottomless pit. And he said, what is this bottomless pit? What is this abyss? Well, it's the place where uh, some demons are kept until the final judgment. 
Uh, the Lord Jesus talked about it. Look there at Luke chapter 8, uh, verses 30, 30. It's on the screen before you. Jesus asked him, talking to the demonic man, Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him, that is, these demons begged Jesus that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. So we know there are demons that are free today and they're roaming about, but there are also those who are bound in this bottomless pit. And so we find that this abyss is where Satan also is going to spend a thousand years, a thousand years. So he cannot deceive the nations. And, and as we'll see in a moment, Jesus is going to rule and reign for a thousand years in his millennial kingdom. But notice the end of verse three. The end of verse three says, but after these things, after the thousand years, he must be released for a little while. So let's talk about the judgment of Satan. A thousand years goes by. He's been sealed in this abyss, this bottomless pit. And then I want you to notice he doesn't break out of jail. He doesn't work his way out of the change and break through the seal. It says he is released. He's released. Now drop down to verse seven and let's see what happens when he's released. Verse seven. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to do what? To gather them together to battle. And look how many he gets, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. That would be Jerusalem. And I want you to notice what happens at the end there of verse 9. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Beloved, do you notice at the end of a thousand years, Satan's been bound. He's been restrained. He cannot deceive. He can't do anything. At the end of a thousand years, when he's released from prison, when he's released in the abyss, he goes right back doing the exact same thing he's been doing all this time. That is attacking the glory of God. And he goes out and he deceives the nations, the four corners of the earth. And he rallies a great army to go against Jesus and his bride and Jerusalem. Now, the question begs to be asked. Now, think about it. If Jesus has been reigning on the earth in the millennial kingdom for a thousand years in such wonderful world conditions, where do these rebels come from? Where does this great army of rebels come from that he rallies? Well, it is true that at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, before the millennium begins, that all those who are upon the earth who enter into the millennial kingdom, who are still living at that time. In other words, they, they've survived the tribulation time. They're still alive upon the earth. All those at that moment enter the millennial kingdom. They are lovers of the Lord. They are children of God. They love the Lord. And so you have this millennial kingdom beginning a thousand year reign of Christ. And all those who are still living on the earth, the men and women and those who are living at that time, all of them belong to God. But then they have children. And they have children. Think about a thousand year time frame. No, nobody has lived. No human has lived a thousand years. The oldest was Methuselah and he lived 969 years. But here you have this millennial time and, and these believers who enter the millennial time there. They love the Lord, but they're going to have kids. And you know what? Our kids living today. I hope you understand and, under, and know that they must trust the Lord Jesus Christ for themselves. It's often been said that God has no grandchildren. He has children, but no grandchildren. 
Every individual person has to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ themselves. And the same thing will hold true in the millennial kingdom. When you have these men and women living on the earth, yes, they all start out as believers. They love the Lord and, and they serve Him and they worship God. But then they have kids and then they have kids. And each person must choose to trust the Lord themselves. Now, it's obvious that though many will submit to Christ's kingdom probably out of fear because He rules with a rod of iron, they will not submit from a loving heart. And Satan, at the end of that thousand years of being bound... That thousand years of wonderful living upon the earth. He's going to be able to go out and deceive the nations. And deceive many of those who have not turned their heart over to the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been living maybe outwardly. And they've been obeying outwardly because of fear. But in their heart of hearts, they did not love the Lord. Did not give their life to the Lord. And so he's able to mask these rebels. As I think about that, does that not show us the depravity of the human heart? Imagine living in a utopia in a a literal thousand year kingdom ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ, enjoying his perfect sovereign rule over everything. And yet they rebel. But this battle that goes on, Gog and Magog, and by the way, I don't think it's tied to the Gog and Magog over in Ezekiel. uh, But this battle is no match for the Lord. Fire falls and devours them all. And then we come back and we'll talk about Satan because Satan finally gets his just dessert. Look there at verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And remember, they were thrown in there a thousand years before, right? At the end of the battle of Armageddon. And so they've been in hell all that time. And it says they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Finally, the unholy trinity is together again, this time in the lake of fire. And beloved, it reminds us here that hell is hot and hell is forever. And beloved, it's not a laughing matter. Hell is not like we see in the cartoons. It's not a place where people are sitting around playing poker and joking about uh, being hot. It's a place of constant and continuous torment. And Satan will spend eternity in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And God will judge and be done with Satan. And by by the way, we're through with Satan right now. And boy, wouldn't it be wonderful to one day say, literally, we're through with Satan. We're, We're through with Satan. He's forever judged and done. But right now in our study, we're done with him. Let's look at the second thing. That is the millennial kingdom. Verses four through six. Now, I believe the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus Christ will establish his kingdom on the earth for a literal 1000 year reign after his second coming. There are those who want to argue against that and say, no, that's not right. But let me show you some things. Look at verse four. It says, and I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had received the mark on their foreheads. Those are tribulation saints, those who refused the mark of the beast. It says they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Many Bible passages in, 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 in scripture here indicate that a reign of peace and righteousness is going to be upon the earth After Christ's second coming. In fact, there are some references right there. And I don't expect you to write those down. But I just want you to look. This is not just a solitary thing that the Bible just mentions here. All throughout, you see, the Bible talks about this reign of righteousness. And this reign of Christ reigning upon the earth. 
And while we don't have time to fully develop it all, let me let David Jeremiah summarize what this uh, millennial kingdom is going to be like. It's from his uh, wonderful little book, The Prophecy Answer Book. It's just a little tiny book here, but listen to what he says the millennial will be like. He's based it upon those scriptures I've shown you there. He says there'll be no war. Think about that. No war. Has anybody here ever lived where there was a war somewhere? Kingdoms will be unified. Even the animal kingdom will be at peace. You've read about, you know, the lion and the lamb and and kids playing with the snakes and stuff, right? It will be a time of unrestrained prosperity. All want will be eliminated. Sin will be kept in check and disobedience will be swiftly dealt with in the time of great purity. Maybe because Christ is ruling with a rod of iron. Christ's kingdom will be a holy kingdom. During this time, Satan, of course, will be bound and sealed so they cannot go out and deceive the nations. A man, based on the scripture, a man who dies at the age of 100 will be thought accursed. There will be perpetual health. It appears that the extraordinary lifespan that characterized the race before the flood will reappear. The millennium will be an exhilarating era of happiness, contentment, and personal joy. It will be an answer to many ancient and anguished prayers. So think about that, beloved. The millennial kingdom is going to be an exhilarating era of happiness, contentment, and personal joy. A time of wonderful living upon the earth. You know, we need to pray for our elected officials. We need to be voting for those that we believe will, will honor the Lord the best in the office. But beloved, I'm not looking for peace and prosperity to come from Washington. I'm not looking for them for the United Nations. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ to rule and reign. I'm looking for him to come again. Imagine how wonderful it would be to live in this millennial kingdom. And yet, as we said, those that are born into it and those who have lived in this millennial kingdom will one day be deceived and rebelled, many of them. And the exciting thing is when we realize that those of us here who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior will be reigning with Jesus along with the tribulation martyrs. We see there in the verse it talks about he saw thrones and those reigning. First Corinthians six two says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? We realize that we get to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get to reign with him for a thousand years. But then we come back to verses five and six. And maybe you wonder, well, how do these fit into the chapter, preacher? This whole idea about resurrection and so forth. Look at verses five and six. But the rest of the dead. So we just read about the tribulation martyrs, the tribulation saints who died. We, we know that we were included in that, in the ruling and reigning with Christ. But look at verse five. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be, watch it, priest of God and of Christ and shall reign with them how long? A thousand years. And if we know the Lord Jesus Christ, we're looking what? For the rapture. We're going to go up, we're going to be resurrected, and we're going to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ in his second coming in his millennial kingdom. But here's the confusion. Many people, it seems, believe that there's going to be one general resurrection, but there's not. So forever put out of your mind, it's going to be one big resurrection. Everybody, all at the same time, everybody's going to be resurrected. The lost, the, 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 the saved, everybody. No. In fact, as we read the scripture, it appears there's going to be a first and second resurrection. A first and second resurrection. We see it in John chapter 5. Look at it with me there. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And so you say, well, wait a minute, maybe that could all happen at the same time. Well, listen, I want you to understand the difference between the first resurrection and the second resurrection. You see, the first resurrection is a resurrection unto life. That is eternal life. And this is the one you want to be in, by the way. If you're making up your mind which resurrection you want to be in, you want to be in the first resurrection. A resurrection of life. Look at verse 6 again. Blessed and holy is he who is a part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. So the first resurrection is a resurrection to life. Eternal life. The second resurrection we'll talk about in a moment. But you notice it talks about the second death there. Look at verse six again. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power. The second death there is eternal death. We'll read about it more in a moment. But the first resurrection is eternal life. Those who know Christ, those who are believers, those who have loved God. But here's something else that kind of complicates matters more. Are you ready? The first resurrection is not a single one time event. Let me just say that again. The first resurrection is not a single one-time event. In fact, it occurs at various times. It includes, first of all, of course, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 23. Then it includes the resurrection of those uh, who are here when he raptures the church. It might include us if we are still alive at that moment. Uh, when he raptures, well, rapture the church, we all go up to the rapture of the church. And then the resurrection of the two witnesses of the bodies uh, who lie in the streets. Revelation 11. The resurrection of the tribulation saints that are described here in Daniel 12. So the first resurrection is those who are lovers of Christ, those who belong to him, those who are saved. But listen, it happens at various times. You have Christ, you have the rapture, you have the two witnesses, you have tribulation saints. But all of them fall under the first resurrection. Does that make any sense to y'all? The first resurrection has many stages, but all of those who go up to the first resurrection are saved, born again. They know the Lord. They belong to the Lord. Everybody got that? I've hammered that a lot. Who goes up the first resurrection? That's weak. Who goes up the first resurrection? Saved. Does it all happen at the exact same time? No. Different stages. Second resurrection is a resurrection to condemnation. And damnation. Look at verse 5. But the rest of the dead. See the difference? The rest of the dead. Do not live again until the thousand years are finished. These are unsaved people. And we read about their resurrection and their condemnation under that third heading. That is the great white throne judgment. Now we all want to be a part of. And if you're a believer in Christ, you are a part of the first resurrection. But look what happens to those who are part of the second resurrection. Verses 11 through 15. I believe this is one of the most terrifying things in all the Bible. In my opinion, we're about to read again. The great white throne judgment. Please understand that those who go to the great white throne judgment are not Christians. They are not believers. They're not. These are the unsaved. These are those who've rejected the grace of God. These are those who have turned their backs on the cross of Calvary. These are those who who refuse the forgiveness that's found in Christ. And it's an awesome sight. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. 
And there was found no place for them. And here we find the second resurrection. Who's in the second resurrection, by the way? What group is that? The unsaved. Here it is. The bodies of lost men and women are raised and rejoined to their spirits. Now, right now, when a lost person dies, you know, their body may go in a grave. It may be cremated. It may be lost at sea or whatever. But we know that their spirit goes to the present hell. But there's coming a day where their spirit will be brought back from the present hell. Their body will be put back together, if you will. And they'll stand. Look at verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great. Didn't matter who you were here. You're going to stand alike there. Standing before God and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. Now, here's what it says. Verse 13. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades was cast to the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast to the lake of fire. Now, there are some books mentioned here. One set of books are the books that contain the works of these individuals. So God is keeping a record. And all their works are being written. It says they're judged according to their works. Imagine how frightening that would be to stand and have your life reviewed. It's outside of Christ. You never trusted Christ. And going through your life and your sin and all of your unrighteousness and all the things you've done. And they're judged according to their works. And I personally believe there will be degrees of punishment in hell. That's why they're being judged. Everybody's not just thrown in there once. They each one stand individually and they're judged individually, personally. And if you don't know Jesus, you're reading of your future right here. Because if you were to die today, yes, you may lay your body in a, in a casket, may be cremated. Your spirit goes to the present hell, but there'll be a day where you'll be called back up. Your body will be reunited. And you'll stand before God Almighty and you'll give an account of your life and you'll be judged according to your works. Then you'll be cast forever into the lake of fire. But these books and then there's another book open, which is the book of life. And the book of life is an important book. It says in verse 15, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It says they suffer the second death. What is the second death? We know what death is, right? But the second death, beloved, is to be condemned forever to the eternal, forever, final hell, the lake of fire forever. That's second death. And beloved, if you die without Christ, this is where you're going to be. You're going to spend forever in the lake of fire in the eternal hell. And I say to anyone listening to me, whether you're in this building, whether you're listening later on the Internet, whether you're listening by CD, if you can hear me right now, please don't go there. You don't have to go there. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He's extended his grace and his mercy. He says, leave your sin and come to me. I will receive you. I'll give you peace and pardon. I'll give you heaven. I'll give you all these things. If you'll trust my son. But sad to say, many will not do it. Beloved, I say to each one today, make sure your name is in the book of life. You say, well, I, I couldn't quite follow today's message. I'm, I'm not sure about, about the, the millennium. And I'm not sure about how that works with this. I'm not sure about that. We, we make sure about this. Make sure your name is in the book of life. Make sure your name's in the book of life. Now, I know I'm talking to a lot of Christians today as well. And I want to ask us, do we really believe what we just read? 
And I know most of us, I hope all of us say, oh, yes, we believe that. We say that God's word is infallible, authoritative, it's inherent. We believe it. God says it, that settles. I believe there's a lake of fire. I believe there's an eternal hell. I believe those who reject Jesus Christ will go there. I believe that. Yes, I do. But do we live like we believe it? Do we live like we believe it? Do we ever stop to think that those around us, those we go to school with, those we work with, those we, we encounter in Walmart, those that, wherever we are, all around us are lost people that are condemned and destined to spend eternity in a lake of fire. You say, well, preacher, what can I do? What can I do? I mean, they have to trust Jesus for themselves. Yes. Well, you can pray for them and you can warn them and you can share the gospel with them and you can plead with them to flee from the wrath of God that's coming. Beloved, the things we're reading about here today, these are not make-believe. This is not a fairy tale. These things are going to happen. And really, all of us are in this chapter. All of us. We're either ruling with Christ or we're ruined forever in the lake of fire. Think about that for a moment. We're here. Where are you? Are you ruling or are you ruined? That's really what it comes down to. Those who know Christ, belong to Christ, shall rule and reign with Him. But those who do not will be ruined forever in the lake of fire that burns forever and ever. Beloved, eternity is too long to get wrong. We're not talking about a mistake. We're not talking about like you made a mistake and you went to a hotel and you accidentally stayed at the wrong hotel. But you're going to be checking out and going home soon. No, this is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Burning forever in the lake of fire. Eternity is too long to get wrong. Repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Make sure that you're a child of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure your name is written in the book of life because you've trusted Christ and you know him. And then you'll be ruling instead of being ruined. Where are you today? Do you know for certain where you're going to be for eternity? There's only two places. Heaven or hell. Jesus is the one who makes the difference. Trust Jesus. You get heaven. Reject Jesus. You get hell forever and ever. Father. I've done my best with your help to lay out your truth today. Father, I admit that I cannot do anything to convert anyone. I present your truth. And your Holy Spirit must work in the heart and life of each one. So, Father, as I pled today, if anyone here is not 100% certain that heaven is their home because they place their faith in Jesus Christ, I pray your Holy Spirit right now will convict them of their sin and bring them to saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ before it's eternally too late. And then, Lord, I pray that you would burden those of us who know Christ. Open our eyes and help us to realize this is real. People really do die and go to hell. People really are going to spend an eternity forever in the lake of fire. Not because you don't love them, not because you didn't give them an opportunity, but because they rejected you. But, Father, there are many who have never heard the gospel. There are those that are in church today that the church has never told them the story, never told them about the cross, never told them about sin. So-called churches. 
And so, Father, it's not enough that people are religious. It's not enough they go to church. They need to hear the truth of the Word of God. And you've given us that mission to begin here and take it to the ends of the earth. So, Father, I pray right now, again, if anyone's here and does not know Christ, you bring them today to know Him. We pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Beloved, we would love to help you in this matter. We're going to sing in closing. The ladies will move to the instruments 307, just as I am. I'm going to be down front here. You need to be saved today. Settle it forever. Get eternal life by trusting Christ. Here, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen if you come and meet me at the front. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to welcome you here. And I'll welcome you and I'll simply take you and place you as someone who will sit down with the Bible and share Christ with you and lead you to the cross. That's what we're going to do today. Eternity is too long to get wrong. If you need to be saved today, don't let pride and you know, what will people think. What does that matter, beloved? I'd much rather humble myself before people and spend an eternity in heaven than be proud and go to hell. So you today, if the Holy Spirit's working in your life, you know you need to be saved. As we start singing, you just step out. I'll welcome you here gladly and place you with someone who will trust you. I help you to trust Christ. All right. 307. Let's stand together and sing just as I am. Amen.